Uh, good evening, everybody. Um, where's the gadget? Okay, I've been asked to talk about lifetime uh, communities, and um, I use as a starting point here our expertise in housing for older people, which isn't uh, what everybody considers to be the most sexy subject, but I can, uh, I think, take you through some really exciting ideas uh, that are emerging. So, um, firstly, we'll be going through some of the principles around that and how that's emerging as, a, as a, some new concepts in housing design, moving towards uh, how that translates into new communities and into a, a, an urban context. So, I'll be running through the principles of the Happy Report, uh, looking at new concepts and housing layouts, and as I say, using examples as I go through. The first thing to say is I'm not the, uh, the expert in PRP around this. My colleague, uh, Roger Battersby, uh, actually sat on the HAPPY panel, which uh, is, is, is an, ac an acronym for Housing and Aging Population uh, Panel for Innovation. And Roger was one of the, uh, form the, 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 the people behind formation of new concepts around this. Uh, which is effectively taking a, a typology that is a challenging typology uh, that a lot of what we produce is not exactly the place that you would want to end up uh, spending the rest of your life uh, and looking at uh, creating new ways of uh, designing housing for older people. And of course with the change in demographics it becomes much more of a big issue. Uh, it has an impact on how we design our homes for the future and how we future-proof our homes. Uh, it looks at uh, uh, how that impacts on mainstream housing. And of course there's a whole pile of us who are getting older and we want something that's a little bit more uh, appropriate for our needs into the future. So it's also about tenure, how tenures uh, 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 impact on this different approaches to uh, uh, housing for older people at different, with different tenures. And the needs of older people range, of course, from when you're mid-50s to your 90s. And, of course, different needs happen along the way. Uh, effectively, you have active elderly, and then you have people who are older, old, who are much more uh, immobile. Um, and you have, effectively, typologies ranging from your own home right through to continuing care with uh, full-time care. So a different range of needs uh, across a, a spectrum. And that spectrum uh, looks a little bit like this. The uh, hexagonals in the middle give you sort of an idea of the range of, uh, of typologies that we're talking about. Firstly, mainstream housing and how uh, uh, lifetime homes uh, comes into play here. Adapting your existing home could be uh, part of that. Uh, the middle band is effectively uh, extra care and you have different, uh, a different uh, range of products which uh, serve different needs within that. And then of course at the upper end uh, you have uh, full-time care which uh, is um, effectively uh, uh, nursing homes and residential homes. Um, as I go through, I'll be talking about some of the, the design implications uh, within the HAPPY report. There were ten specific recommendations that came out of the report, which uh, uh, I urge you all to read. It's a, it's a very interesting and eye-opening document, but these are the, some of the core principles around space standards, around um, uh, having more natural lighting, around flexibility, connectivity, adaptability, 
storage, all the, the sort of issues that, um, in fact, you could argue are, are as appropriate to mainstream housing as they are to housing for older people. And the report is peppered with a series of uh, examples taken from Europe, as is often the case. We, we find that our European cousins are a bit further advanced in some of the uh, thinking around this. And uh, a lot of uh, uh, projects were visited across a number of countries in Europe. Um, exemplary lifetime home uh, or a lifetime neighbourhood is this particular project, just picking out one uh, called Neptune in Malmo, which um, is uh, effectively a part of a, a wider master plan, a block for about 100 units uh, for effectively uh, affordable housing built by a public-private partnership. Um, very uh, uh, different sort of uh, atmosphere to the, the sort of homes that you might uh, expect in the UK. Uh, very light, airy, very practical, very desirable homes uh, with uh, a range of, uh, of, of characteristics that I think are worth emulating. Uh, certainly in the typologies, the dwelling itself, the space standards are enhanced. Uh, the storage is enhanced, very light, you know, lots of glazing, very flexible, adaptable, and lots of open uh, balconies and terraces. Combine that with uh, the common areas, with uh, good circulation, uh, uh, common facilities, uh, effectively uh, access, accessing uh, uh, the, the units off galleries and uh, common areas that add to the character of the place and having shared community facilities that uh, also belong to the wider community as well. Um, location and uh, its uh, 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 position within the wider master plan is what makes it part of a lifetime neighbourhood. It is uh, integrated within the community, it's accessible, it gives access to uh, uh, all the facilities that it needs in the centre of the development and uh, it uh, provides a, a, a level of care both to the home and for people to move to different levels of care within that community. So independent living is effectively the theme uh, uh, of uh, the report because a, a lot of issues around us not wanting to be necessarily looked after but wanting to be independent as we grow older. So offering attractive homes that offer choice, lifestyle, affordability, independence, and uh, effectively being connected to a much wider uh, 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 area. Uh, in terms of the, uh, the impact this has on dwelling types, uh, this is an example really of some of the lessons that we've learnt uh, for the uh, development uh, of new typologies, effectively more open plan arrangements that allows ease of movement for people with uh, as they grow more infirm and, uh, and more potentially disabled, a much more free-form arrangement uh, within, the, within the typology, um, and less doors, the kitchen space being uh, associated much more closely with the, the dining space, generous uh, uh, sitting out areas for, for older people. So this is the sort of thinking that uh, we are now looking at in terms of new typologies. Um, the other aspect is the recommendations in the report are that housing for older people should primarily allow for a third 
uh, a habitable room, so two bedrooms and a living room, and the third habitable room providing uh, immunity for carers, for visiting relatives, and for, for a study, or, uh, and so on. So some real sort of changes in terms of how you might conceive of the dwelling type. I'm going to now just take you through a few project examples where we've applied some of those principles uh, in some of our uh, uh, latest projects. We, we do a lot of urban regeneration, uh, master planning uh, urban regeneration schemes, and a lot of new communities, uh, greenfield communities. Uh, so it's how we incorporate some of these ideas within it. This is Kidbrook, which I'm sure uh, everybody will have heard of. Uh, where we're doing uh, a very significant first phase development for 170 extra care flats in the heart of the scheme, uh, very close to uh, the transport hub, close to the central facilities. Uh, effectively, it's been used by Barclays to offset the uh, affordable housing obligations under Section 106. And the, the, the local authority has very much welcomed this move because the... Um, the uh, provision of more uh, uh, housing for older people, new housing for older people, releases potentially under-occupied uh, family homes within the borough. Uh, very much a departure from uh, the traditional typology of um, uh, care homes, which would have had a hotel-type arrangement with a corridor. Here we've gone straight for what the house builder or the developer would prefer, in a sense, which is individual cause which gives that sense of uh, independence and less of a, uh, an institutional feel. Uh, the first floor is, has, a, has a garden, has access off the first floor to these different cores, so it becomes effectively a hub. Uh, but the way we've designed this allows us to be more dense in development, uh, medium rise effectively, uh, and uh, effectively uh, almost like a, a private development. Uh, the Facilities within the uh, development are extensive. The first floor has got uh, con uh, well, concierge on the ground floor, as you can see here, uh, cafe, shop, cinema, fitness, and community spaces on the first floor. And the benefit of this, of course, is that it serves a much wider area, not just the people living in the uh, facilities. So ending up with a, a high-density mixed development, uh, which uh, effectively... Uh, looks very modern and different to the, the, the kind of uh, typologies that you might have associated with extra care homes in the past. Uh, it's a happy award winner, I'm pleased to say, under the Housing Design Awards in 2010. Another scheme where we've adop adopted these principles is the redevelopment of a site in Lewisham uh, for uh, the Merchant Tailors Company. Uh, and they formed a joint venture with London and Quadrant uh, to develop, uh, re the redevelop the almshouses that were on the site, uh, effectively using outright sale uh, of family homes as some means of cross-subsidy. Uh, and the layout uh, looks like this, 62 uh, dwellings in total for extra care with 26 family homes circling uh, a courtyard uh, which is shared, uh, good proximity of this site to local facilities to the centre of, uh, the, the, uh, uh, of Lewisham, a central courtyard which provides a, a, um, a shared resource. 
And the access to the uh, housing for older people was uh, from a gallery, effectively looking at deck access, which forms, the galleries form some kind of communal meeting space for uh, uh, residents, generously proportioned and allow uh, dual aspect uh, properties with some uh, rooms facing out onto that um, shared uh, street. So that's a view of the courtyard, uh, very much a sort of communal uh, uh, hub to the, the whole development shared with the family housing too, and um, effectively uh, screened from the street, uh, and this gives a, a view of the, the balconies, the bays, and the other end of the, uh, the, the dwelling overlooking the uh, urban context. And just Finally, in terms of a specific uh, uh, precedent in terms of um, lifetime communities, how independent living effectively fits within urban regeneration. This is Stockwell Park Estate, uh, which has been regenerated, and this is just one block within it. Uh, it's about 140 homes, 50 of which are for housing for older people. But the interesting thing here, moving towards the, from the dwelling to the block, is that effectively we have the uh, extra care dwellings um, uh, uh, integrated with family housing in the middle and with uh, apartments for younger people. So we really have uh, what we call an intergenerational or a, ten, a generation blind development. So uh, when you look at the elevation, you wouldn't know that some of it was housing for older people. There's a courtyard, there's community facilities within it, uh, and so it's sort of, um, again, a, a tenure-blind development that you wouldn't uh, be able to distinguish uh, uh, where people lived. Very much high-density uh, development, uh, and again, uh, a more modern approach to housing for older people. So just wrapping all of that up, lifetime communities for me means much more than just housing for older people, but I thought I'd sort of uh, focus a little bit on that. But um, I just wanted to, to, oh no, before I do, sorry, I've got another few slides about uh, uh, how um, housing for older people fits within an urban context. Uh, we did a prototype long before the Happy Report came out, which looked at how you might integrate um, uh, housing for older people in a, in a seriously high density urban environment uh, with shops and mixed uses right on the street front. And we came up with this, um, this concept of uh, high-density uh, development over the top of uh, mixed development. So the first floor would form the supporting facilities to the uh, housing for older people, and the ground floor would effectively be a supermarket or a series of shops. And the, the first floor have things like surgeries and GPs and uh, 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 chemists, studios, fitness uh, uh, centres and cafes and so forth. And that's with the housing over the top. So, uh, sorry, I was in the, in, in the flow of saying just how this all gets brought together to create a, a, a neighbourhood or a sustainable development. This is a, a development called Portobello Square, which is now underway. Um, it's about how you regenerate uh, a, a part of the city and bear in mind the issues about intergenerational living and the need to create flexibility within uh, development for different needs. And uh, the context very much uh, at the heart of um, North Kensington, at the end, a forgotten part of Portobello Road, right at the end of Portobello Road. A serious history of um, uh, community, a history of middle class income, mixed 
uh, income groups. Um, so going back to its uh, roots, if you like. Uh, but you can see there just a glimpse of how the, um, the new uh, estate, which has been, uh, is going to be developed, uh, demolished, has sort of interrupted the urban grain and uh, made uh, this part of Kensington very much a, a sort of um, a, a difficult uh, a place to, to, to be. Uh, the master plan, uh, we uh, took 500 units from the existing estates, demolished them, haven't yet demolished all of them, but we'll be demolishing them to replace with 1,000 units and a new park. So at the moment it looks like this with a, um, uh, a seriously sort of uh, disfigured uh, urban grain uh, at the end of the Portobello Road and Labrook Grove with a, um, a sort of disconnection from its existing environment. And we've, we've, we've changed the master plan to this arrangement, which looked at seriously connecting the estate with its surroundings, creating a park right in the middle, and uh, 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 connecting Portobello Road with Labrook Grove uh, at its end. But uh, the, key, the key points from this in terms of lifetime uh, neighbourhoods are around the, the way in which we've taken this scheme forward uh, and uh, develop the first phase and future phases will follow the same principle uh, where we've looked very much about incorporating family accommodation uh, at the ground floor, uh, muse houses, family houses and high value uh, properties at the top of blocks with apartments which could be for young people, old people and uh, try to create the sense of a, a mixed community uh, through uh, the disposition uh, within the blocks of uh, different types of accommodation. So just whisking through uh, the, um, uh, the typologies, the Muse House, three-storey Muse House, which is a combination of sale and affordable. So this is uh, tenure blind again, you can't tell where the social housing is within this scheme. A typical terrace with um, typical flat clusters which will uh, form uh, the basis for different age groups and different uses. We are uh, persuading our client of the need for an extra care scheme in later phases uh, to uh, complete the mix of, of type typologies. Uh, townhouses within the development, these are strictly for sale, generate a huge amount of income, which is helping to fund the rest of the development. Uh, four-storey townhouses. And then uh, the community is focused around a park with shared facilities um, uh, leading to it. The mixed uses, the, uh, the restaurants, the bars, all spilling out into the park. And an image of Portobello Road uh, as it will be reconfigured. So for us, um, a lifetime neighbourhoods mean more than housing for older people. It's about that total mix. Uh, the social, environmental and economic issues all being balanced together uh, to create what we call a sustainable uh, development. Um, very much uh, based around traditional typologies, but um, I think more importantly, having robust standards within the scheme that enable different uses to be made of the dwellings. Uh, much more uh, issues around the sustainable character of the development in terms of environmental performance uh, and looking at intergenerational design so these typologies can actually be uh, interchanged and uh, used in different ways. So that's our understanding of lifetime neighbourhoods and uh, concludes my talk. Thank you.